So years back, I got a free copy of a book. It's all about planning, life planning, setting goals, kind of big picture, where you want your life to go. And, and the authors were giving different exercises that you could do to kind of get your mind thinking. And, and here's one of the intriguing exercises they recommended, is that you take some time, you sit down, and you write your own eulogy. You write down what you would want people to say at your funeral service. So, so you can kind of picture it. There, uh, there are all your loved ones gathered together in a room like this one. And of course, they're sad, but, uh, but they're thankful knowing you were a believer in Christ and, and Christ had died for you and through faith you were forgiven and thus uh, with the Lord in glory. So they're comforted by that. Uh, but they're also remembering you. What would you like them to say? How would you like them to, to describe your days on, on this earth? Probably for most of us, we, we could quickly come up with a list of things we don't want people to say about us. Right? You know, wow, he really loved his money. Um, wow, she was mean all the time. Uh, you know, he, he, he really led a pretty awful, immoral life. Right? We could quickly generate the please don't say this about me list. Uh, but what would we want people to say? How about this? Coming from, from the Apostle Paul in our passage in Galatians. He led a fruitful life. She led a fruitful life. Like that, like that picture in Psalm 1, a tree planted by streams of water. Uh, our loved one bore fruit. And not just any fruit. Fruit like this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, that was the fruit that came from our loved one's life. Sounds pretty good. What do you think? Would you like people to say that about you? Of course, if you're a believer in Christ, you know from the scriptures what God urges us is not as much to think about what we want for our life and our days. Uh, the much more important question is, what does God want? What does he desire? What is he planning to do in the life of his children? Yeah. And it's the very same thing. A fruitful life. Uh, as God himself defines it. In fact, uh, we have in this scripture this picture of the Holy Spirit himself, God himself, in us, producing this very fruit in the lives of his children. It's the very same transformed life that we've been studying in the book of Ephesians in more detail. Uh, we've seen in Ephesians slightly different imagery, uh, the imagery of a, of a new walk, not walking uh, like the Gentiles do, like we used to, but now a new walk as the gospel flows out into our lives. Uh, or the imagery of clothing. We've seen Paul talk about uh, there's dirty clothes uh, that we take off and clean clothes that we put on because of uh, Christ's work flowing out into our lives. Here, Galatians uh, uses the imagery of fruit. A tree that bears glorious fruit. It's the same idea, 
some of the same themes, but a different picture. So sometimes that's a great way to review and advance and, and uh, uh, lift up our minds to, to pick a different image. And Paul does that for us here in Galatians 5. Now, uh, years ago when we studied this passage, we did it in very, very fine detail. We took months to work through uh, the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. We're not going to do that. We're going to just take one week and, well, you could call it a quick tour through the orchard. Right. A quick a wander through, through the fruit orchard to think about uh, how is it uh, that God works in his people a fruitful life. Now, well, we're going to mention four things. They're listed there in your, in your bulletin about uh, the fruitful life. Uh, by the way, if you want to explore this more, one of the resources that I used, a great book by Jerry Bridges called The Fruitful Life. Uh, so he kind of goes into detail into all these different aspects and, and plunges much deeper. So that's a great place to do more study if you're interested. And in fact, some of his insights are kind of woven in here this morning. So if I say something insightful, it probably came from him. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, there's, a, there's a place for, for more study. Four things about a fruitful life that we get from, from this passage. Uh, the first is that the foundation is freedom. Or maybe since we're talking agriculture and trees, the soil is freedom. The soil of the Christian life where, uh, that produces this kind of Holy Spirit fruit is freedom, freedom in Christ. And here, what, what we're doing is bringing in the whole context of the book of Galatians. Uh, you notice Paul intends us to think about the rest of the book. It shows up in that very first word of our passage. But I say, but, in other words, connecting back to what he says before. Well, you don't have what he says before here on your page, but we can bring to mind or, or at least review quickly what the book of Galatians is all about. Uh, he's just done a, a quick summary of it earlier in chapter 5, uh, but the whole book is really about freedom. Uh, real Christian freedom in Christ. And here, he wants us to think back before we get to this, this fruit. He wants us to remember the context. Here's the soil uh, in which this kind of fruit grows. Uh, it's the context of freedom in Christ. It was the big issue that Paul was addressing as he wrote this letter. The churches in the region of Galatia, uh, they had these false teachers who were sneaking in. And Paul says they're trying to steal your freedom. Essentially, what they were teaching was... Uh, in order for you as believers, uh, he says, in order for you to be really forgiven, really right with God, really uh, first grade A, first top of the line uh, believers in the church, what you need is Jesus plus some other things. Uh, Jesus, yeah, 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 faith in Christ, that's important. But these false teachers would say, but you also need some other things. And now specifically for them, they were thinking about works of the law, uh, coming to the Gentile believers and saying, yes, absolutely, you need faith in Christ, but you also need to be circumcised and keep the dietary laws and on and on about works of the law. So they were saying in order to be justified, which is the, the big theological term Paul is working with here in Galatians, justification, in other words, to be declared right with God. Uh, to be forgiven and right before him now and right before him for all eternity. Uh, how is it that you're right with God? Well, here these false teachers would come in and say, you need faith in Jesus 
plus works. And Paul writes Galatians and says, once you add that plus, you've lost the gospel. You've lost freedom. Uh, this, is, this is a bondage, Paul says. If you try to add works to Christ as the basis for, for your forgiveness. And if you start to, to think about it, you can start to get, get the idea. What a mess it is. Uh, because as soon as you try to say, oh yeah, Jesus is good, important, but you also need to add your own efforts and labors and works, all of a sudden where the focal point shifts is, are you doing enough? Am I doing enough? And, and it's, it's constantly a, well, i got to impress God, i got to do, do my bit, otherwise I'm in trouble. And so am I doing enough? Is it enough? And you start to see how, how that can become an absolute mess and a, and a real bondage. Paul says, that's not Christian freedom. Uh, real freedom in Christ uh, comes when we realize that our, our justification, our, our righteousness before God is not based on what we do and how much of the law we've kept, but strictly and only through faith in Christ. In other words, it's not what we do, it's all what Christ did for us. Uh, Paul has explained it, uh, that it comes through faith in Christ, uh, not by works of the law. Uh, because Christ was the one who was, came and was born under the law to rescue uh, those who were condemned by the law. Paul says he took the curse of the law upon his own shoulders. In other words, he was the innocent one who died in place of sinners like us, the guilty ones. Uh, the, the, the guilt that we have, he took for us. So trusting in Christ, there's no, there's no wrath of God for sin left for us. That's all that's needed, what he did uh, for us. And so now Paul is beginning to talk about the Christian life and, and connecting it back to this freedom in Christ, that, are, that we're right with God uh, through faith in Jesus alone. And he says, it's only in that soil that you get really Holy Spirit fruit. Which, maybe that sounds a little counterintuitive. Because um, people's instinct is often to say, well, a little fear of hell in people gets people to behave, right? right so just, just keep them on the edge in terms of fear. You'll, you'll motivate them to, uh, to behave. You, you just say that heaven is a free gift, they're going to act like the devil. Well, it's here that Paul says, no, not if you really understand uh, salvation in Christ. Uh, well, you could do it this way. Okay, take away this Christian freedom. Take away uh, the free gift of salvation through faith in Christ alone. Saved not by what you do, but what Christ is. Say, say you take that away and say, you need to contribute something. Is that actually going to produce a, a fruitful life? Right, because if it, if it depends at the end of the day on how much you do, you're either going to end up in one of two places. Uh, one, you're going to end up in a kind of despair. Oh, have I done enough? I don't think I've done enough. I'll never do enough. Oh, you end up in despair. Or you end up thinking that you've done it. I think I am doing a good job. I think I'm just about there. God has to be impressed with me. Look at what I've done. And you take those two things, either the despair or the I've done it, and you put it up against Paul's list of love, joy, peace, patience, and you realize that's actually not Holy Spirit fruit. Despair, pride, these are actually the opposite of what Paul is talking about in terms of Holy Spirit fruit. And Paul says earlier, it's actually a misreading of Christian freedom anyway. 
because freedom means living out uh, the new life that we're called uh, to live. So it's gospel freedom saved by grace through the work of Christ that's the soil in which uh, the fruitful life comes. So freedom is the foundation or the soil. God is the grower. God is the grower. And so you, you hone in, and we really are honing in on that, on that uh, verses 22 uh, down and following. Uh, but you look in that, at that uh, verse 22 there, and you notice just quite simply on the surface of it how this fruit is described. Uh, that it's described as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. It's simple, but really profound. Fruit of the Spirit. Not fruit of David, fruit of Chris, fruit of Maggie, fruit of the Spirit. That's a big deal, right? Because it's, if, if, it's, if it's fruit of David, it's, it's fruit that I produce, fruit that I manufacture, fruit that I piece together. Uh, and so the focus is, am I, am I quite doing enough? And that's really what it's all about. Um, the, the agricultural picture is helpful. Right? Maybe you've taken time this summer to, to plant a garden in the backyard. And, uh, well, why did that garden grow? I'm sure you did stuff. You planted and watered and so forth. But, but did that really cause the plant to grow? Cause those juicy tomatoes to be produced? Right? You could, you think about it, you could water all day and all night and fertilizer all day and all night, but if there's no power within the plant uh, to grow that juicy tomato, it's not going to happen. And you could just water all day. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, there's power in, in the plant. The plant produces the fruit. Or uh, we'll see how Jesus describes it. Here's a similar image from John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You get this very similar image. Producing of fruit, a, a grapevine. Well, the branches just kind of lying on the ground. You could pour water on those branches all day long. And they're not going to grow grapes. It's only when those branches are connected to that life-giving vine that you end up with fruit. And Jesus says, yeah, branches, that's you. Vine, that's me. Uh, it's Jesus uh, and the Holy Spirit of Christ uh, that is the grower. This is where fruit comes from. And specifically here, Paul connects it to the work of God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, fully God, uh, the one who was sent by the Father and the Son, poured out upon each and every believer, uh, taking the resurrection life of Jesus and, and applying it to his people. So that, that, resurrect, that death of Christ and the resurrection power of Christ now applied to the individual believer's life, there's, there's where the fruit comes from. There's the, the, the growth power. It's the Holy Spirit. And you can even go through the rest of the passage and you realize it's all about the Holy Spirit. You notice how often we mention that in our reading. Verse 16, we walk by the Spirit. Uh, verse 17, it's the Spirit that battles against our sinful desires. 
Verse 18, we're led by the Spirit. 25, we live by the Spirit. It's God that does the growing. And there's where the, there's where the growth comes from. There's where the power comes from. So this helps us in a number of ways as we think about a fruitful life. One is, it has us clinging to God, right? As Jesus said, right? We abide in him. We cling to him. So it has us looking to the Lord, right? It's not going to be just me trying really hard. So we're, we're looking to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I need your help. I can't do this. Uh, he has us clinging to the Lord, depending on him. And even depending on him in very specific ways in which we need to grow. Lord, help me here. I struggle to be patient. Lord, help me be patient. I struggle to love this person. Lord, help me. Uh, you have to do the growth. Uh, so it has us depending on him, uh, if God is the grower. If God is the grower, it also gives us great, great confidence. Uh, great confidence. Uh, because if, it's, if it, God is the grower, it's really fruit of the Spirit, then we can, we can expect it. We can expect it. What an encouragement that is, because there's probably some area of your life, and maybe if you went through that, that, uh, that fruit of the Spirit list there, you can even pick out one of those terms, and you think, yeah, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen in my life. Or at least not in this area, not in this relationship, not in that place. I, I just, I tried, and, oof, and you're just ready to give up. Well, if it really is just fruit of David, fruit of uh, Chris, you know, then, then, then yeah, give up, because you might not have the strength. But if it's fruit of the Spirit, well, then, then you, have, you have a lot of confidence. Uh, it, that, that fruit in that place is not only possible, we can expect it. This is what God does. This is exactly what his plan is. This is what the Holy Spirit specializes in doing. We can, we can expect it. Now, it might not be overnight. In fact, the very picture uh, tells us to, to expect it to be a long process. right? You don't, you don't plant that tomato seed to today and expect to see a juicy tomato tomorrow. It takes time. And so uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, growing fruit in our lives, it takes time. It's not going to be overnight. But we can expect it. As, as the believer looks to him, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can expect fruit. It also helps you expect if God is the grower, and we're talking about fruit of the Spirit, it helps, also helps us understand what kind of fruit to expect. Right? And here's where, here's where we get into a little conflict with the, with the, the kind of the self-help books or you know, kind of plan out your life, where the, the focal point really is, well, what's your dream? Uh, what, what would you like to accomplish in life? Uh, well, here, here we get, this is what God's goal for us. This is God's dream and God's promise to his people. Now, you might have a whole list, and maybe it's good things. I'd like to be more productive. I'd like to accomplish this. I'd like to do that. It might be all good things, but here you get God's list. Uh, here, is, here is his plan. Uh, here is his purpose and what he promises he's going to do. He's going to grow love. He's going to give joy. He's going to develop peace. He's going to grow patience, and so on and so forth. That's, that's God's plan. That's the fruit that God gives. And, and by the way, if you notice carefully, it's actually one fruit. It's not 
a whole bunch of fruit. It's one fruit of the Spirit with all these different facets to it, which is why you can expect they're all going to grow at the same time. And it's going to be a love that's patient. It's going to be a, a joy that, that endures. It's going to be a kindness that's also peaceful. It's going to happen together. But this is what we can expect. This is, this is God's plan, uh, God's fruit. But then you, you might say, okay, God's the grower, so what do we do in the meantime? Do we just sit back and just wait? Uh, well, again, the, the, the image helps us and, and put that together with Paul's very language. He doesn't picture here believers that just sit back and do nothing, uh, but instead believers who are active in the midst of it. Again, the, the farming, the gardening picture gives you the good idea uh, and the good, the good analogy. You don't just plant that tomato seed knowing that that seed has power to grow tomatoes and just sit back and do nothing. Uh, you're active. You're, you're watering. You're weeding. You're, you're fertilizing. And so it is with the Christian life. So call it this. Call it God is the grower. Christians are the cultivators. Uh, Jerry Bridges in that book I talked about does an interesting biblical uh, study exercise, and he talks about, okay, this, here's this list, the various aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. And he, and he talks about going, taking each of those into the scriptures and how God talks about love in various places and, and joy in various places. And he makes this, this interesting conclusion that all these things that, that are described here as fruit of the Spirit or aspects of fruit of the Spirit, something God grows, God does, you go to other places in Scripture, and they're all things that God commands us to do. So God grows love in his people, but we're also called to love. Uh, God uh, calls us uh, to be joyful, and yet he also says joy is something that God grows in us. We're, we're peace. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. God's going to bring it into us. But yet we are to do the things that make for peace and pursue peace and strive for peace and on, on down the list. Uh, so maybe that has us confused. Hold it. Is, it. is it God's work or is it my work? Or Well, it's God's the grower, we're the cultivators? Maybe that's a good way to put it. Uh, or, or we work because we're confident God is working in us, which is exactly how Paul describes it in another, another letter, the book of Philippians. And he notice how, as I read these two verses, uh, kind of focus in on who's doing the work. And Paul says in Philippians 2.12, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation. Uh, work out, not work for, work out. In other words, the idea of uh, that rescue in Christ and that new life in Christ, you're, you're having it flow out, you're having it work out. Uh, but it's something that Paul says you do. Work out your salvation. He even calls it serious business, right? He says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not in the sense of terror, afraid of hell, afraid of God, but in the sense of, wow, this is, this is holy business. Uh, I'm gonna, this is going to be a, the top priority in my life, having my salvation flow out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But then he goes on to give a reason why it is that we work in this holy business. Why is it that we work? He says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
So we work hard because we know God's at work in us. And so it's not pick one versus the other in terms of this, this Christian life growing of fruit. Uh, it's precisely because we know and are confident that God is at work within us through his spirit, and he will accomplish his purpose that has us getting out and, and working for the very same thing, laboring for the very same thing. Uh, or go back to the go back to the the gardening fruit picture. It's because we know that this plant, this tree, does produce fruit that we're confident to to water it and keep the weeds away and, and fertilize it. Uh, that's that's what a good gardener does. He he knows the power that's already at work, and therefore it gives him confidence to labor day after day. So it is. So it is for us. We know that the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Christ. You know that the Holy Spirit is already at work within you, producing uh, over time love and joy and peace and patience. Uh, so you're going to pursue those very things with confidence because you know God is already at work within you. Your labor won't be in vain. It won't be wasted effort or futile effort, as hard as it might be, because you know this is where God is already taking you. God is already uh, at work. Uh, this very list here, uh, verses uh, 22 and 23, uh, these, these are, this isn't an effort, a growing process that God brings you into. Uh, this is uh, work that you'll be engaged in. Uh, not taking away God's work as the grower, the Holy Spirit's work, but precisely because the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, and so then this is, this is in a real way, 22 to 23, this is your life's work. Which, which maybe, that, maybe that helps things and simplifies things. Uh, sometimes I think we can get, I know I can, can get so caught up with, wow, there's all this going on around me and all these options of things, what, what, what should I do? And you know, you get, well, here, here's, here is God simplifying your life's work. Um, your life's work, because this is what God is doing in you, is growing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's There it is. There's God's, God's plan. There's your life's work. Uh, and you do it with confidence because God's, God's the one who's already taking you there, believer. And so maybe you are become a highly productive person Maybe you accomplish all the goals on your to-do list, or maybe you don't. Um, or, but but here's here's the here's the bigger plan from the Lord Himself. And it's, we stop and look, and we say, "Wow, that's that's good." Well, one more quick observation uh, as we close, and that's just the the details of the plan. And we could call it this way: the pruning and propagating is the plan. And here it's just noticing how Paul presents uh, this fruit of the Spirit, is it's presented as side-by-side side of things we cultivate and things we cut off. Uh, we, we've seen this in Ephesians uh, with, the, with the language of clothing. There's stuff we take off and stuff we put on, and that's what God is doing. He's, he's taking some stuff off of us and putting stuff on us. And the same here, he puts this list of fruit of the Spirit right alongside of what he calls deeds of the flesh. This is, this is what we cut out. These are the diseased branches that God wants us to prune. 
at the same time that we're trying to propagate the love and the joy and the peace. He does it in by bringing in language that he loves to use, uh, flesh versus spirit. Uh, this is not, by the way, a contrast of uh, material versus immaterial. Uh, that, that's not what Paul means by flesh and spirit, right? Physical versus non-physical. That's not how he's using it. It's flesh versus spirit in the, sen- in the sense of flesh, that which is bound up with this fallen evil age, the fallenness of this world, flesh. Spirit, that which belongs uh, to eternity, that which belongs to the kingdom of God. Spirit in the sense of capital S, Holy Spirit. And for the believer themselves, uh, in this world, before Christ returns and uh, or takes us home, we're always going to be this, this combination of flesh and spirit. He describes it as a, as a war, as hostility. The spirit within us fighting against that flesh. So if you're a believer in Christ, you have this new life, the age to come has dawned in your heart, but here's this still this fallen part of you, and it's a kind of war, flesh versus spirit, which is why you expect this to be hard. And you're never going to get to a point where you're like, ah, the fruit is perfect, done, ripe. Not here in this life. Um, can you expect progress and growth? Absolutely. Complete Done perfection? No. In fact, it's going to look more like a war. And part of the war here Paul is describing by putting these lists side by side is uh, the battle is through the power and the strength of the Spirit. Certain things you cut out and certain things you you propagate. And so uh, you could uh, go this later this afternoon and look at verses 19 and 20 and 21. This list that he calls the works of the flesh. And as you, as you see elements of those in your life, uh, you, you can hear God encouraging you, challenging you, cut those out. Run to him and ask for his help. Cut those out. And then you turn over to, to the contrasting list of love and joy and peace and patience. Lord, help me to, to cultivate that. Uh, help me, trusting you're already at work, help me to, uh, to propagate that in my own life. So, it's just real quick. It's just a, it's a touring of the orchard. But getting a sense of the, the big picture of what God wants us uh, to do. And more importantly, what he's at work doing. Right? We did. We started with that big picture, the grand scheme of our life. Looking from the perspective of our own memorial service. Uh, kind of getting the big picture of what our life will be about. Well, of course, for the believer, more importantly, it's... What does God say your life is about? What is his purpose and his plan? And here you get, you get a sense of what uh, he's about. Uh, that he uh, has already done this work, if you're trusting in Christ, uh, this work of making you right with God. That's, that's a free gift. It's all through the work of Christ. You just receive it by faith. And, and now God is not moving away from Christ, but continuing the work of Christ as the Holy Spirit applies resurrection life to you. Uh, and he's building, he's, he's growing something beautiful. Uh, love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, and goodness. Here's what God is growing in us. It, it's, it's a lifetime, uh, but slowly but surely he does do it. And part of what we do in a quick tour of the orchard is, is we get excited about that power of the Spirit, the work that he's doing, 
and it, it draws us in to be engaged in it, depending upon him, uh, looking to him, which is why, by the way, don't try to grow this fruit apart from Jesus. You can't. That's the whole point. It's, it's fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. If you don't have Christ, you won't be able to do this. It won't work, nor will it be satisfying. So you start there. You start back to that, that soil of, of Christian freedom in Christ, the gospel. You don't have Christ, know his forgiveness. You run to Jesus and his work on the cross. You trust in him, and it's only from there uh, that you see that the Spirit's work continue. And if you do know Christ, you can, you can get excited about what God has planned for you. Uh, yeah, in a sense, it's, it's harder than you might think. It's, it's going to feel like a war. Uh, but it is something beautiful. Uh, this, this list is, wow, that's a, that's a beautiful life. Well, that's what God has planned. More and more, and then, of course, you're going to live it out for all eternity. Uh, not because you're great, but because God is great and his power is at work within you. Let's pray. Father, we do pray for your, your grace at work among your own. Even, even those you've gathered here, Lord, we, we are weak in ourselves and we're thankful for that, uh, that, that spirit of the resurrection that you give freely. Uh, we pray, Lord, for, for your work. Help us to see it, uh, to trust in you, uh, Lord, and have the strength uh, to, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, joyfully knowing that you are powerfully at work within us. And we do pray in Jesus' name.